So, good morning. It's really good to be here with you today. I'm always blessed to be in your midst. And I appreciate this opportunity not just to be here today, but uh, you're stuck with me for the month. And uh, it'll bless me. I trust that God will use our time together. Uh, I'd like to talk to you uh, over the next four weeks uh, about encounters with Jesus, like a little mini-series uh, from the Gospel of Mark. And I want to be open and upfront. I, I have a purpose in doing this. Uh, the reason is my belief that we just all need a little bit more of Jesus. When I encounter Jesus, everything changes for the good. My circumstances may not change, but I'm changed. I'm changed for the good. And then my orientation, my perspective, all of that changes. Even though the circumstances, whether they be good or bad, have not. Jesus in me changes me, and it just makes things way better. It is my hope that as we look at the Scriptures, you will encounter Jesus, that you will see Him in a new way. Because He has a way of putting things right. He has a way of making things new again. And so it's my hope that as we encounter Him, He will not just renew us, but you will be inspired to love Him all the more. Now, I'd like to begin with a confession. Is that good? I, I don't know when the pastor begins with a confession. But I'd like to do that. I've been a follower of Jesus for, for 50 years. Too often, though, I've lived the moments of my day, of my life, really, pretty much apart from Him. Following Jesus has come to me in reading my Bible. Do you do that? Like I do. I read my Bible. I try and do it every day. Uh, following Jesus comes to me loving and serving others. Do you do that? Yeah, I do that. I'm sure we all do. It's come to mean participating in a church family like you are now. But what I've realized is that there's lots of life in between those times. And it's been my habit to live those times, those moments between Bible reading and church and loving and serving people independently from Jesus. What I'm saying is that my life is so much more than the sum of those good things. And that unless Jesus is present in those parts too, I'm missing out, and so are all those who know me. To be a follower of Jesus is to live life with Him and for Him, and to learn from Him how to live best in each moment of every day. Now, I'm not sure I've learned to do that very well. I'm so independent. And in that independence, I make choices and decisions and engage in activities and say things that at the end of the day, I know would have been much better had I done those same things with Jesus. Now, let me give you a small example. This week, I was waiting for the bus. And I wasn't waiting alone. There's a various assortment of people there. And, you know, I like watching people. 
And you try and watch people without uh, them knowing you're watching them, right? Because it gets uncomfortable if someone thinks, that guy over there, he's, he's staring at me. You know, but I try and do it subtly. And uh, I noticed this young woman about 20 years old or so. The reason I noticed her is because she was chewing gum like there was no tomorrow. I mean, she was just chomping on that gum. like, And I, I just, whoa. And then all of a sudden, she spit this wad of gum out onto the concrete at the bus stop. Uh, what? Did, did that really happen? And I look, and there's the evidence of the reality of that act. There's a big blob of bluish bubble gum just sort of sitting there. And I'm a bit irritated at this. Like, aren't you, I mean, it's an outrage. Like, we just don't do things like that. So, I'm thinking in my mind, like, what am I going to say to this girl? I'm thinking, I'm marching right over there, and I'm going to say, you pick that up! But I realize I'm not really good at the authoritative things, so... I think to myself, well, maybe I ought to be a little bit more witty and clever and, you know, put a little bite in that and shame her into picking that up. You know, and while I'm thinking about this, she's, you know, she puts another wad of gum in her mouth and starts chewing away. She's listening to her, you know, her music and chewing. And, and then the bus comes and we all get on the bus and the gum remains there. So later on, I'm thinking about this, because I never really did figure out how to do it. And then I thought, well, how would have Jesus, what would have Jesus done in that situation? And as I reflected on that, I, I think I know what he would have done. It seems so clear to me. I think he would have walked over, bent down, and with his fingers picked up that gum and said to that girl, and the kindest of voice, here, let me get that for you. Here, let me get that for you. Now, I don't know for sure <laughs> that you would have done that. But here's what I, I'm pretty sure about. Jesus would not have used his authority to bully or embarrass her into doing his will. Nor would he have used sarcasm or wit or anger to move her. Just loving service. Now the point is that I am so independent in my living that I too often live my life without Jesus' counsel or His influence. And I run on my own instinct. And it doesn't always serve me, or in this case, it didn't serve that young woman well. Had I been living that bubblegum moment with Jesus... I would have instinctively and instantly responded with, Here, let me get that for you. Instead, I fussed about it inside, and then I did nothing. I think we live too much of life separated from Jesus because we failed to apprehend the real Jesus. I believe that if we're able to know and experience the real Jesus, we would be reluctant to live a moment without Him. If we were able to apprehend the real Jesus, He would be the natural focus of life. And it would be a natural response to filter the everyday moments of life through 
Him. With Him. The Scriptures show us that reality at work in the lives of those who first encounter Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, we read, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. What is remarkable to me about this passage of Scripture is the fact that these men were not just willing to leave their livelihood to be with Jesus. I mean, I, I think we, we've seen that often, that we've, we've thought about that. I mean, we see in this passage these brothers, Simon and Andrew, and the act of fishing. This is what they do for a living. They catch fish. Jesus sees them, and he invites them to be his apprentices. Now, here's the remarkable part about all of this. Do they pause and deliberate about Jesus' call? No. Do they pause and make a list of pros and cons? You know, imagine for a moment that they do. I mean, they don't, but let's imagine they do. You know, on the pro side, they might have listed, well, you know, we're tired of fishing. You know, we've been doing this since we were kids. We just hate it. Like the smell of fish. It stinks, you know, that stuff. I'm just tired of fishing. So this could be good. You know, these nets, they need constant repair. You know, I'm just tired of fixing nets. And there's no end in sight of it. Or, you know, the competition from these other fishermen down the, down the shore a bit. You know, it's getting too fierce. You know, the early mornings, they're killing us. I'm a nighttime guy. I don't like early morning fishing. So, uh, then on, on the con side, they might have said, well, we have no idea how to fish for men. That doesn't make a lick of sense to us. Or, don't, uh, you know, who's going to pay the bills? Like, I don't know, how's that going to work? Or, what are we going to do with our gear? Like, you know, it's just sitting here. Like, should we do something with it? Or they could have said, well, Jesus, you know, you're just starting out on this business. Like, we're not sure if you're, you have an unproven track record. So, you know, as you do with pros and cons, you count them all up. And they say, oh, well, we got four pros and we got four cons. Oh, we're kind of stuck. You know, that's kind of what we do sometimes. We're trying to make decisions. You know, of course, none of this happened. The record of the scripture is that at once they left their nets and followed him. And my question is, who is this Jesus that inspires such speedy devotion? It is almost as if these brothers, in the act of fishing, see Jesus coming down the shore. And they decide, say to themselves, there's Jesus. Oh, I hope he comes and talks to us. Wouldn't that be great if he came over here? Oh, maybe he would ask us to be his disciples. Wouldn't that just be the greatest thing? Oh, he's getting close. Oh, he's coming our way. And then Jesus speaks. And they say, yes, we're there. 
It's almost like that happened. I just don't feel, I can't figure this out because they immediately respond to his invitation. There's no deliberation. It's the same thing with James and John. Although the scripture gives us one other detail. James and John are in the business with their father. I don't know how the father worked it out. You know, his hopes and dreams of having his sons look after the business vaporize the moment Jesus speaks. There's no hesitation. There's no counting the cost. There's only instant compliance to the invitation of Jesus. In the very next chapter, in verse 13, we find Jesus by the lake again. And he spots Levi, the tax collector. Jesus speaks two words to him. Just two. The words, follow me. And the scripture tells us that Levi got up and followed him. And again, we see another businessman responds instantly to the call of Jesus. There's no delay, no deliberation, only a speedy departure from collecting taxes to Jesus' side and then on to his house for dinner. What I want you to see is that this response to Jesus is not unusual. It's not unusual. Encounters with Jesus often catalyze such a response. In Mark 5, Jesus casts out a legion of demons from a man. The man begs Jesus. He pleads with him to allow him to go with Jesus. There's no place he'd rather be than with Jesus. In Mark 10, a blind man, Bartimaeus, receives his sight. And the Bible tells us that he does what? He follows Jesus along the road. Now, I want to say to you, this is significant. Bartimaeus can perhaps see for the first time in his life. What will he do with his gift? Does he think about going to see the sights? You know, the world's a beautiful place. Does he think about wanting to find his parents and his family and look at them for the first time? Look, Mom, I'm your son. I can see you now. Does he stop and drink in all that is happening around him? No, he doesn't. He only has eyes for Jesus and follows Jesus along the road. Now, I know I'm belaboring this point. (laughs) But I want you to see what the norm is for people who have encountered Jesus. The norm is that somehow they recognize to be with him is of greater value than anything else. And there's one more piece of understanding, one more little bit I would add. Here it is. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a burden to be with Jesus. Living with Jesus is a blessed privilege like no other. Only once do we hear a disciple that say anything that might be considered a bit of a complaint. Uh, You you remember it's Peter. Uh, He says to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. That's after Jesus complains it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Peter says, but we've left everything to follow you. That's a reality. 
They had. It was not an exaggeration. And Jesus assures him that it will be all right. But this is the same Peter who is willing to die with him. They all are. So great is their devotion to be with him. The truth is, they have all sacrificed, but it is not considered by them to be a sacrifice. In Mark 14, a woman anoints Jesus' head with a costly ointment. It would have cost almost a year's salary. She does not consider it a sacrifice. The funny thing is, you know, as far as we know, Jesus didn't even ask for this. He didn't ask. He didn't say to the woman, listen, I want you to make this big sacrifice. You know that money you've been saving for years? I want you to go get it and purchase this expensive ointment and anoint my head for my burial. That's what I want you to do. We have no record that Jesus did that. You know what I think happened? I think Jesus touched this woman's life. And she spontaneously responded. This gift was an act that's freely given to Jesus because she loves Him. She wants to bless His life. Jesus somehow inspires this. There was something about Jesus that inspired those He called, those He touched or healed to immediately abandon once uh, all things that they once held so dear and follow after him. And it was not a sacrifice for them to do so. I don't believe the boy who gave his lunch to Jesus went home and said, you know, Mom, I had this big sacrifice I had to do today. I, I don't think that happened. I think it was his pleasure to participate in something. The Apostle Paul, who suffered much for the gospel, never considered it a sacrifice. These acts were acts of love inspired by an amazing person named Jesus. Now, here's my question for us this morning. Why is this not our norm? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking you all to leave your jobs and come to the church to work or be missionaries. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is why is it not our norm to begin to live every moment of our day with, with Jesus and learn from Him how to live it in the kingdom of His Father. To attach ourselves to Him. Why is that not our norm? Why is it not the most natural instinct for, for us who've been called by Jesus to live each day with Him, processing the various moments of that day with Him? Learning from Him him how to respond to the circumstances that we encounter. Why do we limit Jesus' influence to parts of a Sunday or our devotional times or when we're desperate? Here's my suspicion. Well, let me first say, I don't think it's because we're rebellious and independent. Human nature has not changed that much over 2,000 years. I suspect it is so because Somehow along the way, we've lost sight or we failed to grasp how amazing Jesus is. The Gospels reveal a Jesus whose words and deeds continually lead people 
in a state of awe. There's never been anyone like Him. Ever. His teaching, His miracles, and even His death gave people reason to marvel and in some cases fear God, in most cases praise God. And if the awe-inspiring Jesus touched your life, that encounter inspired you to be with Him. Now, I know it is somewhat harder for us to grasp the amazing nature of Jesus 2,000 years after He ascended into heaven. Those who first encountered Him saw with their eyes, they heard with their ears, and in some cases they touched Him with their hands. But Jesus still calls people to follow Him today. He still brings healing to life. And in some ways today, Jesus is more available to you and I than He was to those who first encountered Him. He still makes Himself present. You know, I've been married to Cindy for uh, over 28 years. I'm, I'm a bit sad she's here because she'll be, she'll be feeling uncomfortable that I'm talking about her. But, you know, the pastor's wife, you just have to suffer through some of those things. <clears throat> In those 20 year, 28 years, we, we have uh, experienced many various circumstances, uh, many happy and pleasant, others not so much, but still to this day, I find myself looking at her in, in disbelief, completely awestruck that she, as an independent, free human being, chose to marry me. And how in the world did that happen? She was free to choose countless others. Somehow she chose me. Like, it really is amazing. She's made my life infinitely richer and better. And I delight being with her. We process life Together, the moments of life together. In fact, just yesterday, uh, we were thinking about a particularly tricky and difficult issue in our lives. And uh, she just said, well, I just want to do what Jesus wants. There are times when she, need, she may need my help. You think when I, uh, and I know her little signs like a knocking on a wall or a whistle, I know those are for me. So, I get up and I leave whatever I'm doing. Do you think I'm thinking to myself, as I have to put away whatever I'm doing to attend her, do you think, think I say to myself, oh man, do I sacrifice for this relationship? You know what? I, ne- I never think that. And if some, somehow down the road something happens more serious then can you reach that salad bowl on the top shelf? You think I'll say to myself, man, what a raw deal. I'm just having to sacrifice myself for this person. I want to tell you emphatically, no. It's not a sacrifice.
we have a, a neighbor uh, on Salt Spring Island where we live. She uh, gave her kidney to her father. Uh, her father has since died, but uh, she gave a kidney to her father. You think she said to herself, what a sacrifice. And it was a waste because I gave a kidney. I only have two and I gave one and he died. Do you, do you think she feels like that was a sacrifice? I want to say no. She freely and with love gave the one who gave her life a kidney. As an independent being, as I think about my relationship with Cindy, I would freely choose to expend my life for her and it would not be a sacrifice. So, can we not delight in our relationship with Jesus with equal enthusiasm so that we consciously process our life with Him, remaining in awe that He would choose us that He would favor us with His presence. And are we not in that relationship freely offer Him whatever His presence inspires us to give? The world might call our gifts sacrificial ones, but we would say, no, it's a small thing for me to share with the One who called me out of death and darkness. So what can we do? How can we begin to live the moments of our lives with Jesus? How can we begin to, to grasp the reality of who Jesus is in such a way that we remain inspired, that we marvel, that we come to a day and say, I am in awe of Jesus. Can, can I give you some homework? I want to give you three suggestions. Number one is resist being independent. I don't think we mean to live independently of Jesus, but it's how we've been shaped. So this week, practice submitting to someone else. I know you're all clever at having your own way, manipulating things, but what I want you to do is submit your will to somebody else. I think it's good practice for submitting yourself and the circumstances of your life to Jesus. Number two. Reflect on the grace that Jesus has shown you and get to know the real Jesus. Live in awe that God of all creation delights to know you and pay attention to your life. That He delights to make you eternally significant by partnering with you in what He is doing. Find a quiet spot this week. Start early. Like start this afternoon or tomorrow. And write down all the ways that God shows you or has shown you His goodness and grace. The Holy Spirit will help you this. He'll bring to mind these things. And in fact, I want you to add to that list all week long. And next Saturday, is you're getting ready for bed, whether it's one in the morning like this group over here does, or if it's earlier, like you know, some of us others try and get to bed by 10, review the list. And give thanks. And spend moments in awe 
of the goodness of, and grace that, that Jesus, because of His life, because of His favor, has granted you. And then thirdly, learn to invite Him in the moments of your life. Just invite Him in. I mean, learn to ask. Ask this question. So, what do we do with this, Jesus? <laughs> Whatever's happening, just pause and say, yeah, say it out loud even. Let's say, well, what do we do with this, Jesus? You know, I don't know what's going to happen to me this week. It could be full of small gum on the sidewalk kind of events or larger life and death type issues. I just don't know. But this one thing I do know. I want to live this week with Jesus and with each of the circumstances that come my way. It is my aim, it's my purpose to work through them with Him so that my life becomes the means to further His purpose and bless many. I invite you to join me in this aspiration. Let's pray.